Are you ready for the end of the world? This is Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again. Circle of family, the circle of friends, the circle of being. Wake up and be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. This is Your Community Spirit. Come it is? on Your Community Radio. I think Uh-oh. so. I woke up, I'm in the right place, aren't I? Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> it's just like... Well, I'm a little sleepy, so it could, could be some other show that we're preempting. <laughs> but I think this is your community spirit. This is Ord Energy Mon. And this is Tree Song. And so we are here talking about things that are happening in our community. Yes. So, you were just on time. You want to join us? <laughs> yes, I'd love to. Yeah. <laughs> like, we usually yes. talk about local happenings in the second half, but we've got a special guest with us here in the studio today just arrived for our show. So, could you introduce yourself? Yeah, Shamar Ruperto, um, the director of For Kids Sake, supporting orphanages and schools in Bangladesh. Yes, well, that's good. Uh, you could, if you could tell us a little bit about it. I actually know about it. I just registered this morning, so uh, I'm going to be participating. But tell us about... Today's the last day to register. Pre-register. Yeah, to pre-register. You guys are on it. Yeah, to pre-register for... For it's oh, a yeah, that's right. We know about it, but nobody else. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's our annual 5K run walkathon. It is uh, at Turley Park, happening next Friday, September 26th. You can do 5K in Turley Park. Starts at Turley Park. Uh-huh. Starts at Turley Park. Um, you'll be walking around residential areas as a flat course for all you runners. That sounds attractive. It's going to be at 6 o'clock at night next Friday. And as they mentioned, today is the last day to pre-register. That's actually nice because most of the runs start at like 7 a.m. Exactly. (laughs) So you just come after work. And because it's a night event, we have our DJ there. We'll have dinner there for $3. There will be a lot of kid activities. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, today, if you register, it's $20, and you'll get an awesome T-shirt and get free registration. And if you can't make it by registering today, you can come to the event and register there for the day of. Yeah. So what's it's not the, too late. What's the primary reason for doing this? So exactly. What is the cause? Why would you do this? Besides run. Besides, besides for a good exercise and to be with friends and family, this supports thousands of orphans and students in Bangladesh. We've been supporting these kids since the 1990s. Uh, the orphanages themselves have started started in the 1970s. So we, at this point, we have 550 orphans that we're supporting and 3,500 students. Whoa. And um, and in Bangladesh, the orphans are actually going to also be running a race. The orphans and students on the same day. <laughs> okay, that's exciting. So are they? Are they doing it in, in solidarity with this one here? Like yes, uh, actually, we have for kids' sake, we have branches. Uh, all over the world, and they're all going to be doing it together. So in Germany, they'll be having an event, a 5K as well. In Bangladesh, the kids will be having a race. In Japan, there will be a group getting together to uh, walk in support of the event as well. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. You can be part of a worldwide effort to help out these orphans. So exactly. where do they go to register? They can go to our website, www.forkidssake.net, and register online. You can pick up a registration form and register at the Long Branch uh, Cafe and Bakery or the Town Square Market. And, and we'll have a couple forms here. She brought some in. so People want to Come stop in and bring their pledge in and register. That would be like a dual thing. Yeah. And you could even see us if you really wanted to show up. So. 
Yeah. Thank you for coming in. Yeah, thank so. you. And, and, you know, I know you guys talk about environment and yeah. well, Bangladesh is one of the well, I've looked at <laughs> I've looked at this organization before, and what I like about the orphanage is they teach them real world Vocational things to do. Training. Yeah, I mean they have, I mean a whole. It's people live there at the orphanage, and they learn how to survive. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have. I remember times when we've mentioned Bangladesh on the radio before related to climate change. They, oh, yeah. They're, they're very hard hit by it. And exactly. I'm actually, I'm, I'm dedicating my participation to all of the people who have been affected by climate change. So it's it's important, since our country is causing a lot of climate change, to help out those people in other countries who are suffering from it. Exactly. Bangladesh is, Bangladesh is one of the countries that has contributed the least to the climate change, yet it's on the top of everybody's list, especially for the rising sea levels, because it's very a very low country and is affected by the bay um, cyclones and storms coming from the Bay of Bengal. Yeah. So. Yeah, I watched the TV show Years of Living Dangerously that talked about climate change, and they had a whole episode about Bangladesh, and it was... It was very moving, you know, the struggles they're dealing with there. So this is a chance locally to help out with the orphans there. And some of our kids there um, are, are victims of the climate, with the climate change and the cyclones that come through. Families die. Families lose their property. They might lose one single parent. It spreads disease. So um, lots of these kids were helping through that, too. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. yeah, thanks for coming on, and thanks for organizing this. Yeah, thank you. And bringing it back locally, um, fracking has got a reprieve. Is that possible to say? Well, it's gotten a month, a month more of deliberation. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know if reprieve is the right word <laughs> since they still seem like they're hell bent on doing it. <laughs> just like, but it just gives the public a chance to actually, you know, put their input in. So the J car delays fracking decision. This is from Illinois Public Radio and the Associated Press. A legislative panel says it wants more time to decide whether rules written by the Department of Natural Resources to govern hydraulic fracturing in Illinois can actually take effect. The legislature's Joint Committee on Administrative Rules received proposed rules for the high-volume oil and gas extraction from the DNR on August 29th. And after the... uh, agency reworded some rules based on more than 30,000 comments on its, you know, the original draft. Yeah, that was a record number of comments, they say. Now, industry and environmental groups both say that they would ask JCAR to seek dozens of changes. So nobody's happy about it. So I think it's a perfect law, you know, (laughs) if nobody's happy about it. Um, I don't know about that. Anyway, the panel originally had 45 days until mid-October to act on the rules, but exercised the 45-day extension. Yeah. They basically want to do it around Christmas when nobody will care, right? It's like everybody will be too busy with their families. Yeah. Um, asking the DNR to ensure the rules comply with the intent of the law passed last year after intense negotiation that included, of course, industry and environmental groups. So... One of the ones we talked about last week was industry are mad that this only they look at cumulative pollution yeah, cumulative instead of just effects. one well. I mean, come on. Yeah, because that was a bit during the negotiations. They spe- I didn't know this until recently. During the negotiations, the industry specifically said, "When you're considering our permits, we don't want you to think about the cumulative impacts. Just think about the impact of this well, which which is kind of it's it's not very." Scientific thinking, you know, because like, <laughs> like, if you do a hundred thousand wells, 
A hundred thousand. Come on. Yeah. Don't exaggerate. It's only, it was a, what, a thousand in one county in Pennsylvania. That was the, yeah. It's, it's only a thousand in a county. Come a on. A thousand in a county. So then if you've got 19 counties, that's, oh, yeah, quit counting. <laughs> Just like, I get in trouble for that sometimes. So uh, an industry coalition has outlined more than 65 areas concern, including rules that it believes violate the legislature. So. Yeah. And that's, I mean, they're taking that route because that's one of the things that JCAR is supposed to deal with. You know, JCAR isn't itself necessarily saying whether they like the law. They're saying whether they think the rules are passed, are matching the law that was passed. So a lot of the arguments that the environmentalists make too have to say, well, your, your rules are not fitting the law. Right. So, I mean, at this point, it has to fit the law because there's a law in place. Yeah. But, I mean, some green groups are pushing JCAR to prohibit the rules completely and calling for a statewide ban. Yeah. Which I doubt that'll happen because that's not their role. Yeah. But it, it could, though. It's, I mean, people are trying. Part of their role is they can prohibit the rules, which is, I mean, basically, the, the rules are supposed to fit the law and the law is supposed to fit the Constitution. So JCAR can say... What? That, Wait a second. <laughs> Are you saying that there's a process? Yeah, there is, in theory, a process. In theory, the oil industry doesn't just walk in and do what it wants to. Okay. So if they follow the process, JCAR can say, no, these rules aren't good. You have to go back to passing the law again. Now, the process says you have to mail in a comment. Yeah. This is, you know, they're a little outdated. Yes, good old-fashioned snail mail. Snail mail. It has to be mailed to the Office of the Joint Committee on Administrative Rules, 700 Stratton Office building springfield illinois 62706 if you didn't memorize that email us info at your community org. that sounds good do we need a fracking supporter <laughs> well, this is hilarious this next story where, where'd you get this this i found <laughs> i actually heard about it through facebook but I hear a lot of my news for better or worse it's like so need a fracking supporter hire a homeless person I don't think this is quite the job creation that we're envisioning from fracking, but it's happening. Uh, in a bizarre energy industry news of the day, the North Carolina Energy Coalition seems to have brought in some homeless men to stand in as fracking supporters at a state hearing on developing fracking operations in the state. The men were bussed in 200 miles from Winston-Salem to Culloway, North Carolina, where the hearing took place. From Asheville's Citizen Times, quote, they were clueless said Betty Betsy Ashby, a member of the Jackson County Coalition Against Fracking. At least two of them I met definitely came from a homeless shelter. One of them even apologized to me and said, I didn't know they were trying to do this to me. One said, I did it for the, and then he rubbed his fingers together, like, for the money. Yeah, but he didn't say it, so it's like, you can't prove it. Yeah, Yeah, well, they probably told them not to admit that they did it for the money. (laughs) Just like, yeah, you're 200 miles from home, you're not getting a ride home. Yeah. Just like, I mean, this is, this is bad in a lot of ways. It's bad because it's exploiting people who are in a situation of need. It's trying to sway public dialogue by paying people to go to these hearings. Well, it's, what are you talking about? I mean, this is not a new tactic. No, I it's, mean, it's not a new tactic. People have done this before. Probably even fracking industry, but this is the first time I've read a story about it. Well, I mean, pay to give someone a ride somewhere that they can't afford it. I mean, I've, yeah. I've heard that happening but to actually pay someone and to anyway so yeah well it's like i've heard the old stories that probably still go on today of when they used to give cigarettes to people in order to get them to vote a certain way like on voting day they would go and give out cigarettes and say here vote for this person and if you do you get these cigarettes (laughs) 
People Sorry. people do that kind of thing. I think it's important to notice it when it happens. And, and I don't I don't have a problem doing that if the person was informed. So they're like taking advantage of, you know, it's the other way around, you know. But it's uninformed, underprivileged people who are being, you know, paid to stand in. Yeah. Now, but I mean, think about it. If you're a rich person and you don't have the time, pay someone else to stand in line for you. Yeah. Well, it's it's sort of ironic, you know, because the jobs that they're promising are not really materializing. But then instead of getting good jobs for people, they're getting, you know, a one-day job of $20 to go to this hearing. I get $20 to go? <laughs> they give me a ride 200 miles, too. Yeah. That'd be fun. Nobody gives me $20 to go oppose fracking. <laughs> it's just like, it's like, someone pay off Tree Song and record it. It's like, <laughs> yeah, catch he'll, me he'll do it for $20. <laughs> So, a flotilla of paper boats arrives at the climate settlement in New York City. What? A fleet of full-size paper boats, which have been afloat on the Hudson River for the past two weeks, returns to its home waters of New York City in a convergence of art and activism to coincide with the meeting of the world leaders at the United Nations Climate Summit. That's this weekend, right? Yeah, this weekend already. There's a lot of people who are going to New York for this climate summit Sea change. We all lived downstream, spent two weeks meeting with local residents along the Hudson, stopping in 13 towns along their 160-mile path to lift up stories of community resistance to proposed fossil fuel infrastructure while building local resilience for the effects of human-caused climate change. The voyage is culminating in a circumnavigation of the island of Manhattan, Discussions in public events at the floating library in the steamship Lilac at Pier 25. Man, these guys are like Waterworld in real life. Yeah, it's quite an adventure. They, I was just like, like but, the, but the boats are made out of paper. Yeah. Yeah, and if you watch the video, if you sign up for the newsletter, info at yourcommunityspirit.org, we can send you all the links to these things. But the video, it shows they make these boats, and once they make it, it kind of looks like an ordinary boat from... You know, at a glance. But I mean, it's like, made of paper that's been glued together. Well, we have the cardboard boat regatta here. Yeah. It's Most of like them that. sink though. Yeah. <laughs> it's just poorly built. I mean, but. Yeah. You don't <laughs> want to sink in the middle of the Hudson. So. <laughs> it's just like, but if there's a whole flotilla, yeah. if one sinks, you just climb on another one, right? Yeah. And it's like. And that's a good metaphor for surviving the climate apocalypse. And you pull out the, you pull out the old one and you like make it into a new ship, right? I yeah. mean, it's like. <laughs> That's resilience right there. That is fun. It's a good art project. And Sea Change is an initiative of the Brooklyn-based boat building collective Mare Liberum and the Global Climate Change Activism Network, 350.org. Nice. So good groups working together on an art project there. So Sea Change echoes the need to remain afloat despite the rising sea levels and the role of art in finding solutions that build community out of the global climate crisis. Yeah, Art is really good for that because... Creativity is good. Yeah, yeah. you've got to be creative and you've got to find creative solutions. Really what a lot of times is lacking in the climate crisis is a creative vision for living differently. You well, know, people have gotten used to using fossil fuels and they can't even think of some other way to live. Well, I like to say there's no silver bullet, there's silver buckshot. And they're <laughs> all small. Yeah, they're all small and they all take vision. To and they still them. will, you know, knock the solution I mean, yeah, knock it out. Knock out climate I almost change. said killed climate change, but <laughs> yeah, we, we can try to find a nonviolent metaphor. For that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Putting solar panels on school roofs could dramatically increase America's solar capacity. What do you mean could? Mm-hmm. What kind of title is this? Yeah. Any building with large flat rooftop is a prime candidate for a solar installation. And one particular large flat roof that's ubiquitous in the U.S. is on schools. Come on, it's not schools, it's malls. Malls too. Yeah. It, it just like <laughs> Well, malls are harder to convince. Yeah, it's like, but anyway, it's true. According to a new report by the Energy Department and the Solar Foundation, the research arm of the Solar Energy Industries Association, it's a solar trade organization, if school took advantage of their full potential for solar, they could add 5.4 gigawatts to the country's solar capacity. That's just over a third of the current 16 gigawatts of total capacity America uses now. That would be enough pa- to power nearly a million homes and carbon emissions reduction equivalent to making about a one million passenger vehicles off the road. Yeah, that's a lot. And, I mean, that's just the solid numbers. Then there's the pa- fact that all the kids will interact with solar. Yeah. I mean, that's just profound. Yeah, you're creating a generation that knows about solar energy. Now, the study provides an interactive map of the nation's schools, allowing users to identify which school buildings would be the best candidates for solar. Oh, that's phenomenal. There are currently 125,000 K-12 through schools in the country, and 3,727 of them already have solar systems installed. Yeah. More than 3,000 of those were installed in the last six years. And the indication of solar's swift rise in the United States. Now, after crunching the numbers, the report determined that another 40 to 72,000 could also install a system cost effectively. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's a lot more numbers and statistics. Um, I think the, the best part though would be the educational component in my mind. Yeah. I mean, of course, schools have a really hard time um, paying their bills. So if they can reduce their uh, bills dramatically, it will make it so that they can maybe put that money into, what was that called, art? Art, yeah. <laughs> Just like... Art programs, they could use those. Yeah, and I was actually, I was mm-hmm. glad to see this story because I was just thinking about this. I've been doing research for my climate fiction blog, Goodbye Miami. So I'm looking over the city of Miami, sort of seeing spots where you could put solar, and I noticed this really big building. And I'm like, oh, what about that one? And it was a giant school. Yeah. It had a completely flat, completely clear roof. And a lot of schools are like that. So this is a good way to utilize that space and educate children at the yeah. same time. I wonder if that's the playground. You know, <laughs> In Miami, maybe that's the only open yeah, area. The open area. Everything else is, you know. They could build a garden and the whole bit up there, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's <laughs> just like you you realize that today is international talk like a pirate day and all day long. <laughs> Oh, I forgot about that one. I've been Here speaking clearly and enunciating R- well. Mateys. It's like, today I'll be R. Pirates <laughs> for the climate. <laughs> it's like, pirates for the climate. Yeah, we did a oh. story once about pirates for the climate. Oh, yeah, that was right. We protesters who protested on boats. That's true. <laughs> yep. So, today is also National Butterscotch Pudding Day. Hmm. Do pirates like, but probably they do, they don't have much teeth, right? <laughs> That's a cliche. I mean, yeah. I but. I've never, I don't think I've had butterscotch pudding. No? No. I think it's a fake flavor, right? Uh, maybe. <laughs> Just like, we'll have to do some research. Or on is that. it butter and scotch? Uh, Someone <laughs> will have to tell me. Yeah, let us know. 
So let's see. Saturday is National Punch Day. I don't know what that one is. And Oktoberfest. Well, that maybe it's not it's October a, yet. But it's, it's a drinking it's fest, huh? Fest. Sunday is International Peace Day, National Women's Friendship Day, World Gratitude Day, and Miniature Golf Day. Mm-hmm. So, so you can be grateful you won at Miniature Golf. So let's see. Elephant Appreciation Day is coming up on Monday. Elephants are experiencing a lot of trouble from poachers, so today is a day to appreciate them and try to protect them. And elephants remember what day that is, but hopefully yeah. you will too. Hmm. Let's see. Wednesday is National Cherries Jubilee Day, and Thursdays is National Comic Book Day. Yeah. All right. I bet there's something going on at Castle Perilous for National Comic Book Day. I, I don't have the details here though. If you would like your happenings to happen, send them to the happening guys. Yeah. So they'll happen. Email them to us, info at yourcommunityspirit.org. And if you really want to make sure, send them to treesong at treesong.org too. Yeah. We'll get it. The Day of the Dead Art Exhibit, September 15th through November 15th at the Morris Library Rotunda. Monarch butterflies migrate each year between North America and their winter sanctuary in south-central Mexico. Their October arrival in Mexico coincides with the beginning of the Corn Festival and the important annual celebration of the Dia de los Muertes, the Day of the Dead. Last year, fewer monarchs returned than ever before. As loss of habitat, climate change, and indiscriminate use of pesticides accelerate ecosystem corruption, how does our perception of what is normal change? How do we stay connected as species vanish? Join us as we honor the traditions of our ancestors from around the world and build a bridge between their dreams and ours for the generations still to come. See the bigger picture we share, the Day of the Dead art exhibit, September 15th through November 15th at the Morris Library Rotunda. That's yeah. intense. Yeah. It's an, it's another great combination of arts and culture and issues like climate change, you know, bringing them all together. Did someone say it's all connected? Yeah, it's all connected. <laughs> so. Yeah. And we've talked about that before, the loss of monarch butterflies. It, they're still figuring out why exactly, but it seems to be some combination of the uh, the neonicotinoid pesticides, particular type of pesticide. Ooh. I've got that one memorized. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I was about to say, wait a second. Yeah, and it's also climate change disrupting their patterns of flight, their habitats. So, be you know, bees and monarch butterflies are both in a lot of trouble right now. But the art is exploring it. So, yeah, this is also coming up. Hispanic Heritage Month at SIU. It has already begun. It runs from September 15th through October 15th. It's Hispanic Heritage Month. The SIU Hispanic Resource Center is celebrating with an extensive series of events, including a keynote address on October 7th by Dolores Huerta, labor leader and civil rights activist who co-founded the National Farm Workers Association, which later became the United Farm Workers. Now, I actually remember that. I didn't remember her name specifically until I read the bio, but when I was young, my mom was uh, was boycotting grapes because of the United Farm Workers strike. So it was one of my early introductions to uh, activism. I didn't really understand it at the time, but uh, now I appreciate the fact that, you know, my mom here in Illinois was supporting these workers in their struggle for better conditions. 
So she'll, she'll have a lot to say, I'm sure. That's on October 7th. For the full schedule, you can go to the SIU Hispanic Resource Center website on the SIU website. Or you can email us, info at yourcommunityspirit.org. Carbondale Farmer's Market, the Carbondale Community Farmer's Market, Saturdays 8 till noon at the Carbondale Community High School. We like talking about community. Yeah. The Carbondale Community Farmer's Market provides a place for community to gather, meet the face of agriculture, and get the taste of all Southern Illinois has to offer. Again, Saturdays from 8 until noon at the Carbondale Community High School on the east side of town. Yep. Also coming up this weekend, we have Welcome Feast. It's coming up on Sunday from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. at Evergreen Park. Welcome back, SIU students and families. You're invited to the Welcome Feast. It's a prayer for peace, and it's an old-school community center, language and cultural services fundraiser. Uh, inter- there's going to be an international buffet that will be provided, $5 for adults, $3 for children. Everyone's encouraged to bring a dessert from their culture to share. So there's that cultural sharing aspect of sharing what your favorite dessert is. That sounds delicious. The fun activities will include music from around the world, interesting speakers and activities for children. Come and enjoy a beautiful day in the park, delicious food and fun. For more info on that, you can call 618-303-5286. Also on Sunday, the Climate Justice Rally in March. Not going to New York for the weekend of climate justice action? Just stay here in Carbondale and let's get our own climate justice action going. Start on Sunday with a small rally in front of Morris Library from 1 to 1.30 and then march our way to Town Square. That's on Sunday at 1 o'clock at the Morris Library. Sunday, 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 Climate Justice Rally in March. (laughs) (laughs) I like saying that. All right, so we also have coming up next week on Wednesday, the SIU Sustainable Vegetable Farm is having a campus market. That's Wednesday from noon to 4 p.m. at the Fainer Breezeway and the Ag Building. Campus markets are here. The local organic gardening initiative of Carbondale will be selling their produce at two locations this semester. All the produce is student-grown, and it's for you, so the prices are student-friendly. For more information, including the veggie lists and the volunteer opportunities, contact Logic at logicsiu at gmail.com. And there's also is a climate justice rally in St. Louis, a big one. Oh, okay, you yeah. Know, so... Um, if you want to go to a bigger one. I've also heard there's one in New York City, too. (laughs) Yeah. I I think we've got time for one more happening. What do you think? For kids' sake, the fourth annual 5K walkathon. Um, this is next Friday, but today is the last chance to pre-register and only the pre-registered people get the official walkathon t-shirt. So, forkidssake.net. All the fundraiser, it's their primary uh, main source of funding for their orphans. The fundraiser supports thousands of orphans and school children in Bangladesh. So. Yeah, and it takes a lot of work and a lot of funding to support all of those children. So it's a good cause. Well, I mean, the amazing thing is $35 provides meals to 100 kids. Yeah. I mean, it's just like... Yeah, I mean, that's one of the good things about a cause like this is, you know, it's it's tragic that there are so many in need, but it also takes... So little from us to help them. So you can help by joining, at, registering as a participant or by pledging to someone else's race. So you can go to forkidsake.net for more details on that. 
Good deal. If you would like anything we talked about on this show, info at yourcommunityspirit.org, and we will send it to you. Our newsletter has the links to um, pictures and videos and all the things we talked about. Um, we do make it funnier in person, so <laughs> yeah. if you you should listen to the show. You don't have to just li- read the newsletter, but yeah, you don't get the full your community spirit experience <laughs> just in the newsletter. Spirit travaganza. <laughs> yeah. So um, we, we turn the info into infotainment. Do we? On a good day. <laughs> it's just like um, last chance to get out before it turns to winter, right? Yeah. Oh, I don't it's know. beautiful outside <laughs> today, but give it a few weeks, it might be, I don't know, snowing. Who knows? <laughs> like, I, I shouldn't jinx it by saying that. It'll be lovely. No, in it'll probably weeks. be like summer again. Yeah. <laughs> just like In two weeks, it'll be polar vortex, but in three weeks, it'll be 90 degrees. <laughs> so uh, be prepared. All right. That's we'll see you guys again soon on the radio. Yes.